0: Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Well, today's Tuesday, which is a special day for the ELA. That's what we do, what's called Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial up one of our members around the world to share with us what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. And today, Very excited to announce that we are gonna meet with the folks in the state of Maine, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show Jim Irwin and Katie Porter with Pierce Atwood. How are you folks today?
1: Doing well, Steve. Good to see you and glad to be part of this.
0: Yes, thanks for having us. Well, let's just dive right into it. Jim, you know that I'm a big fan of your state. That's where I used to spend my summers at camp. And I think most people outside of the United States, when they think of Maine, they think of lobster, I would guess, right? That's what you guys are world famous for. But I know there's a lot more than that. If you would tell folks a little bit about your state, what's it like economically? What's the workforce like? Tell us what's going on right
1: now. Sure. Glad to start there, Steve. So, for people not from the US or maybe don't know US geography super well, Maine is the northeasternmost state in the US, surrounded mostly by Canada and the Atlantic Ocean, with a side of us on New Hampshire. Our largest city is Portland, and Greater Portland represents about Half of the main economy in terms of gross state product. The state's population is about a million three hundred thousand. It's pretty stable; hasn't changed much in the last forty years. The state's economy has historically been driven by natural resources extraction, going back you know hundreds of years to when it was first settled. Specifically, that would be the forest, the fish, and farming. Those are now what we refer to as our heritage industries, along with textiles, which is pretty much gone. But those industries are here, but they are changing for for obvious reasons. Globalization, change in demand, environmental regulation, a variety of reasons those things are changing. You mentioned lobster. Lobster is in particular challenged right now because there's a regulatory effort going on in Washington around the perceived threat to the right whale from lobster gear. And there's a raging debate about whether that threat is real or imagined. There's never actually been a right whale that's ever been found, caught up, and harmed by lobster gear. We in Maine would say this is really an imaginary problem, but there's clearly a problem for right whales. And that's going to be another problem when Maine moves into the offshore wind field, which is a coming thing in Maine, where we have some of the best wind in the world in the Bay of Fundy area. There's a real concern about how the windmills, the manner in which they're secured to the ocean floor, how that's going to affect the right whale. This is a real challenge going forward is how do we balance the old and the new with the need for you know sustainability and low impact on the environment. So that's going to be an interesting challenge for us going forward. I would mention, just to get a sense of the state a little bit here, Maine is characterized by people who live here as really the two mains. So we have a northern two-thirds of Maine, which is where these heritage industries have principally thrived over the centuries. The northern part of the state, though, is where we're having demographic decline. We have a rapidly aging population. We have a shrinking workforce. That part of the state is really challenged economically, but it's got vast opportunity in the forest uh, for new kinds of wood fiber. And there's a lot going on in the world of uses of wood fiber. We have the world's largest 3D printer is at the University of Maine, and they printed a house earlier this year. Or last year, I should say. So they're looking at lots of ways to reimagine how Maine's wood fiber can remain a major resource for the state. That's evolving. The southern part of the state, we have, it's a younger population. It's had some modest growth. Newer economic sectors are thriving here. So technology, healthcare, life sciences, animal health in particular. And we have a new institute here, which is, I think, going to be a real driver for the economy in Maine, the future economy everywhere which is called the Rue Institute. It's founded by an entrepreneur. It's a philanthropic endeavor on his part to sort of juice the main workforce at the confluence of information technology and health. We have a facility in Maine called Jackson Labs, which is world-renowned facility for mouse-based genetic research. And the Rue Institute is David Rue, who founded it, has also been a, a board member at Jackson Labs. It's not a coincidence that these two organizations are in the same place. And we expect that the Rue Institute, as it grows, and it's already off to a great start, is really going to help Maine become a focal point for the commercialization of technology and research in the area of the application of information science to life sciences. So exciting, exciting time there for us. I mentioned the workforce. I'll just wrap up with that issue for you. The Maine workforce overall is a problem for us because it's aging and the follow-on population cohorts are not large enough to replace the aging and retiring workforce. So there's a lot of opportunity for young workers here because they're in great demand. And Maine would benefit from an influx of younger professionals and workers, but we need to upskill our workforce And in order for those people to be ready to take advantage of the opportunities that we see coming in areas like life sciences and technology. Maine's undergoing a real kind of dynamic change, particularly in the southern part of the state. And if you were a business looking to locate here, one of the things that I would tell any business would be that there are some challenges, but there are also some great opportunities here for the right business looking for a really hardworking workforce and an environment that's a great place to live. You know, Portland is ranked as one of the most livable and desirable cities in the country. Maine has a lot going for it. So we're proud of our state, and we're looking forward to how it's going to change over the next 20 to 30 years.
0: So thanks, interesting. You know, Katie, so you've got this old and new economy mm-hmm. all thrown together in one relatively small state. How is that impacting employment labor law? What are the hot issues you're dealing with right now that you think employers would want to know about?
2: Yeah. Well, we're, we're dealing with the same issues that employers across the country are dealing with. We're dealing with quiet quitting for our clients. We're dealing with worker shortages is a real issue. I mean, I experience it when I just go about my days on the weekends in Portland, you know, it's hard to get service at restaurants, you know, it's hard to make appointments, find a doctor here. So there's definitely the same issues you're finding across the country. In addition to that, you know, employees taking extended leaves, and how to manage that from an employer's perspective is always quite challenging. And I think the major things that I'm seeing, I actually began my career in New York City. So I had to come up in the employment laws of New York City, which are, as we all know, very liberal, right up there with California and Colorado now. And so I think what we're seeing, what our clients are just coming up against routinely is more liberal laws being passed at the local level and the state level. That just create complexities when trying to hire people, especially given you know this more challenging environment of, of worker shortages, and you know employers are trying to find ways to incentivize folks to stay or to sign on to be employed. And that includes it actually failed, but it was Portland City pro employee referenda where they tried to eliminate the tip credit and increase the minimum wage to eighteen dollars per hour in Portland, which actually got overturned. But it was pretty close. It seemed like it might pass, and that was pretty scary for. Portland employers, many of whom are operating service industries like restaurants and bars and entertainment places that would be impacted by that. It looks like Maine is going to be the next state in New England to pass paid family leave, which on one hand is great for employees, and that is absolutely a reason for folks to consider moving to Maine because they know that they will potentially be eligible for paid family leave. It adds a complexity to employers Another thing to think about when coming here, and if you are a business choosing to come to Maine or another state, I think the challenge that we've had for clients is trying to distinguish ourselves from the New York cities and the Colorados and the Californias, where employers just have a lot more to think about and be aware of and comply with when it comes to hiring folks. So yeah, I think it's you know it's a little bit more of an employee-friendly environment that we find ourselves in. That's not only with the laws being passed, I would say that's also with, you know, if you go before the Maine Human Rights Commission, from my limited perspective, I've been practicing in Maine for about two years, two and a half years, it's pretty employee-friendly thus far. So there's just challenges for employers when they actually have an employee, things go south and they have a charge, it can be hard to navigate employment climate here.
0: Maybe one more question, and that is, you know, with COVID, we have employees now living everywhere, right? Have you folks seen, because I know Portland's considered this very hip-cool town, did you see during COVID many digital nomads like showing up in Portland to live, working other places? And and what if any between the two of you, legal complications
1: has that created? I'll jump in first, just from what I have observed in that regard, is yes, we did get digital nomads, and we are still getting digital nomads. One of the things I have wondered as we've seen a migration into southern Maine from people from more urban parts of the country who are able to continue working nominally anywhere from Maine. And is that what we as a state want to grow our economy? Do we want to become the bedroom for New York or Chicago or wherever? And do any of these digital nomads who are not themselves creating wealth by creating jobs and employing people, they're just working at good jobs, you know, high-end jobs are well paid, but how are they going to help convert the economy going forward? And I found out from someone who's plugged into this world, that there's actually a fairly large group of Googlers who have re- relocated to Maine and who have sufficient resources that they are actually coalescing around creating jobs and creating opportunities for entrepreneurship within the state. I think there's a a good potential that the digital nomads will actually sort of transcend just their own employment and become a cohort of venture type investors. In, in bringing new economy type employment to me. So I think that's pretty exciting.
0: On your side, Katie, in the employment law space, I mean, how are you, are you doing employee handbooks specifically for the, you know, the seven employees that show up in Portland? Are there all kinds of other sort of employment law complications? I don't know, for example, are non-competes, are they enforceable in your state? You know, they're not enforceable in mine, California. How does all that
2: shake out? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. We typically, when we have visual nomads here, so say the our clients based in Massachusetts and a bunch of people with COVID said, "I'd like to have you know closer access to the ocean or you know be able to cross country skiing." They move to Portland. We're usually going to do maybe it's an addendum to their handbook to include main policies, but there are a lot of things to think about. You've got a recent law that said that vacation pay is wages and has to be paid out upon termination. So that can be very different from state to state. So if your home base is in, let's say, Connecticut, I think it's must be paid out there anyways, but you can have those variations, which we have to account for in an employee handbook. Also, you want to give them their posters. You want to give them in Maine the contact information for the Maine Human Rights Commission because they're technically working in Maine. So if there is a dispute, that's where it's going to come up. So those are the sorts of things that we're dealing with with those clients. But Yeah. I mean, we've had, I would say a lot of our clients are based in Maine and have employees working around the country. So we've been doing this also for other jurisdictions and reaching out to ELA colleagues to make sure that we're doing the right things there. But yeah, I think it's definitely impacting the way that we practice because we have to be aware of more jurisdictions and definitely alert our clients if they are based in a different state and they have employees here to be thoughtful of that and account for it with their policies. Just to jump onto what Jim said earlier. You know, as someone who also was a digital nomad, sort of in a way when I first moved to Maine, I was still working in New York City and then weaseled my way into a great job here. Very happy about it. I would say once people, I think digital nomads are here, I think they realize how wonderful our state and our city is and how many opportunities it presents. And they just get rooted here. Those entrepreneurs and potential investors in our community, together with the Rue Institute that Jim talked about earlier, that's growing. I think there's a lot of potential for innovation here in the state. And I'm I'm quite excited about it.
0: Well, this has been really fun. Kate and Jim, really appreciate your insight. Folks, if you want to connect up with them at their law firm, very easy to do. You can find their bios clicking by their names in the description of this podcast. And I encourage all of our listeners to visit ELA.law to receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download our white papers, and access our free on-demand platform called the Global Before Handbook which is a 50-state, 125-country compliance document on hiring firing worldwide. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thanks for listening.